0: Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Patreon teaser number three. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. This is... We are so excited to be bringing you a very special episode this month. A week off of our A Song of Ice and Fire point of view episodes, but we are replacing it with an episode gifted to you, the public, by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash girls gone canon
1: yes they have chosen to share with you in the way that bran shares at that feast at winterfell and is like Uh. i will send this dish to them and this dish to them this is the dish that our patrons have chosen for you from their menu of five (laughs) dollar and up episodes
0: Yes, every other month, patrons in The Stranger Tier and above get a special A Song of Ice and Fire episode, and every other other month, they get a special His Dark Materials episode. This coming month, after we start, Asha Greyjoy will actually be covering Lease in our Free Cities Patreon episodes, so they will also be getting those episodes.
1: And also, as you all may know, we have launched a Discord channel Right now we are beta testing it, though, with our chestnut, sweetfoot, and Zorstis are going to get to mingle in the stable. We should call our Discord the stable. Uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we'll be able to do some really fun things. We're planning some casual streams about TV shows, other books, and even some video games. uh, We're passing the time by with some video games. So look out for more on that coming to you soon. And... This episode is not just brought to you by all of our patrons, but also specifically by our friend Shadow Fox, who came up with the idea that we are about to present to you today, which is forgotten characters who may play a role in The Winds of Winter. So characters you might have forgotten about, like Parman Crane or Stone <laughs> Snake, Parmesan Crane, Havarti Stone Snake. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Hallis Mullen and a few other characters that... I don't know, slip in between the cracks, but are they going to be important? Come the pages of the Winds of Winter.
1: Here we are. You are listening to our Patreon-only episode 14, Forgotten Characters and Their Roles in The Winds of Winter. I am one of your hosts, Eliana. I don't know, you know me.
0: And I am one of your other hosts, Chloe. You also know me.
1: <laughs> I mean, probably, like, if you're here. Unless you always my guess. Forgot. Oh, what is our role in? The Winds of Winter. Well, our
0: role is talking to you about some of these more minor characters in the story today.
1: Send us your Girls Gone Canon episodes about our roles
0: in the Winds of Winter. I I'm honestly dying to know. I'm dying to know. Someone tell me. <laughs> what a, what's happening in the Winds of Winter? What what characters? What characters are
1: there? So there's a plethora, as everyone knows, of characters. If you wanted a list of all of the characters in A Song of Ice and Fire, user Tomaris, T H O M A E R Y S on Reddit has a spreadsheet with all of the characters. Oh yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about all of them. We're going to only talk about some of them. Some yes. of which you may or may not have forgotten. But you know what? We didn't forget. Thank you, Shadow Fox for suggesting this topic for yeah. us.
0: Shadowfax, thank you so much. It, it was a fun one. We actually, uh, we've got some some ideas, some thoughts going back and forth. There's some arguments about what makes or what does not make a forgotten character. There's been some disqualifications even, I would say. I mean, I left
1: them in. I think that it's worth discussing regardless. But what is, yeah. what is a forgotten character? What constitutes yeah. as a forgotten character, especially in regards to wins?
0: Yeah, I mean, the big thing is we have so many of these POVs that are converging, right? You have uh, characters meeting for the first time and characters losing POVs, characters dying. When you look at each section, it's kind of like figuring out who are we going to hear from in what faction, right? What area of the country, like in the Vale, the North, the Riverlands, and I guess obviously characters like Sansa and Jon and Danny. Those aren't Arya, Tyrion. Those are main characters. Right? Those aren't side yeah. characters. But the characters that slip to the background, the characters that are doing things on and off the page. Um, I think the veil, there's a couple that we'll talk about in a minute with the veil that are a little, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, they could be not constituting forgotten, but I do feel like the veil has a scattering of characters in general.
1: Yeah, I think that there's a lot in there. I think part of it has to do with, like, so for me, I guess a forgotten character are characters that. I don't see discussed as often. They're discussed every now and then, but they're not, like, you know, Howland Reed. Even before, you know, you were talking about Howland Reed, like, people were still always bringing him up. Benjamins not forgotten. Um, I would even venture to say that, like, Justin Massey, I think I might have seen that thrown out there. I don't see him as very forgotten. He plays a large enough role, I think, in some of the characters... Stories yeah. and has enough speaking roles that I don't think he's that forgotten. Granted, of course, like my criteria is very subjective.
0: No, I, I agree with that. I don't think Justin Massey is really like a forgotten character. Um, anyone that has a POV is obviously automatically kicked oh, duh. out for sure. I think some of these side groups—you have characters we're going to talk about the Brotherhood without Banners, yeah—for example, um and that's arguable. Some of those characters, you know, directly speak main characters even if they don't have their own POVs so maybe they wouldn't be so much as that but you hear about some of these like war commanders and yeah people that you don't necessarily always see have conversations but they're mentioned and they do things their actions speak for them
1: yeah like Thoros right would not be a forgotten character within the brotherhood without banners but
0: no but like Angai even yeah I think Ang- Angai is like
1: on the cusp but I wouldn't consider Lem Lemon Cloak forgotten
0: which is funny because he's trying to be that's true (laughs) Uh,
1: the more you try to be forgotten the more they remember you I don't know
0: I don't know life's
1: hard dude (laughs) but so the veil we're gonna kick it off with that I wanted to throw in Lothar Brune. I don't think he's forgotten anymore thanks to the efforts of Girls Gone Canon
0: God bless America (laughs)
1: God bless our girls.
0: God bless the United States of girls. <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> God bless me. Uh, and no, you. I think he's a little forgotten, though. He's still a side character, but he is like yeah. the Vale's Sandor Clegane. So,
1: yeah. I think he's got a decently large enough role, and I think of him constantly, not constantly. I thought of him a lot when we were in those chapters.
0: And that's it. Yeah. And I think that does speak for him. He's not really forgotten as much then because he is a consistent character on the screen, right? I think there's also the fact that I kind of forgot about him, and granted maybe
1: that makes me fucking simple, but like I forgot about him until the Elaine chapter in Winds came out. Then he came to the forefront of the story. And therefore, in my opinion, gonna make it's not that much of an opinion. I'm gonna make this argument, right, that he was forgotten until that chapter it wins and therefore wins of winter. Okay, I'm done.
0: No, no, I'll I'll concede to that. I'll give you that win because that win of winter. Uh, because he isn't he isn't prominent really in those chapters. He does speak with Sansa, so I think that could be kind of looked at as I don't know if he's forgotten forgotten, but he doesn't. His role obviously looks bigger in the Winds Winter than it was at all before. And he's one of those characters. We're gonna talk later on about our good friend Dunk the Lunk from Reddit who has some posts about characters, uh, about side characters, right? Ascending Extras.
1: He actually links to a TV Tropes, don't do it, don't click on it, everyone, a TV Tropes article <laughs> about Ascending Extras to explain what he means.
0: I love that, though. It's great because that's pretty much what we're looking at here. And Lothar Brune is one of those Ascending Extras, right? You meet him at the tourney and you see him at Joffrey's name day tourney. And he's just a background character. And now here he is in the veil, playing a prominent role in the events to unravel.
1: And I think that is a lot of what the kind of characters that we're discussing here are. They're either ascending extras or they're trying to become ascending extras, which thus in trying and failing, if that ends up being part of the story, right? Yeah. Then that is obviously a role in Wins and can have effects on a lot of the other the other unforgotten characters.
0: Yeah. Another plot that I think is not really forgotten so much as it's a little ironic to consider it forgotten when their words are, we remember is house Royce. I don't think they're forgotten per say, as far as I'm reading the veil and I totally forgot they existed. Of course, you know, they exist in the veil yeah. and they're a prominent family. However, I think their plot role is going to be kind of forgotten until it happens. I think people, forget like the importance of house Royce in the Vale that they wanted to go to war for the North and they weren't allowed to because of Liza said, no, we're staying here. And Ned Stark grew up in the Vale, And I think that's, what's lost when it comes to house Royces. People don't remember the North and the Vale and how tight they once were.
1: I think that's true. I think that this connection is forgotten. I- and I think to what you're saying, it's that big picture view of the role of House Royce, because I do think we see people talk about each of the Royces individually. You obviously see people talk about Bronze Jan Royce a lot, mm-hmm. his sick-ass armor, and obviously <laughs> in, the, in the context of Waymar. And Nestor, of course, comes slightly to the forefront in the feast, as does Miranda. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, like, I, because of that, that's why at first I was like, I kind of don't really consider Miranda as a forgotten character. There's been a lot of discussion about her relationship with Sansa, mm-hmm. and if she's onto Sansa. Which so. she is. Yeah, probably.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, it, it just makes me curious as to their actual big role in The Winds of Winter, because obviously. Veil vale is a plot that people don't consider a fast burn, right? Some people probably don't really seriously consider the Veil vale plot, in my opinion. I think it's going to be like a canon, all the Winds of Winter, all this crap is going off, including the Royces. I mean, they're going to be very prominent in what happens in that book.
1: For sure. I think that a lot of the things in the Veil, vale, and especially with House Royce, those plots are going to be unveiled. ha. <laughs> in the winter of winter i'm so proud of myself <laughs> low key not low key very actually very high key but along with that i i think an interesting character is nestor because mm-hmm. we are already seeing that payoff a little in feast and sansa points that out right that dynamic between little finger and nestor like nestor seems really receptive to little finger's charms and bribes and you can see that he strongly wanted Liza's approval, and that's what makes him so susceptible to Littlefinger's flattery. But as we said, his daughter Miranda seems like a lot more perceptive. It's really interesting to remember that, oh, Miranda's Nestor's daughter, not, not Bronze Yawn Royce's. But maybe it kind of goes the other because they seem like they're trying to climb up that ladder a little because they feel like, Bronze Jan Royce, or so they say, looks down on them, and the dynamic between Nestor and Miranda reminds me a little of Mace Tyrell mm. and Marjorie, maybe? You know, mm. you know? Um, I don't there, we don't have enough for to be sure. But it, I think it is interesting though, with Jan Royce being like on the other side, and I kind of wonder what, like, are the two Royce houses actually on opposite sides of the conflict in this vying for power, or are they like potentially playing Littlefinger or like is Nestor like really actually bought into Littlefinger and like maybe he'll like end up betraying Littlefinger later on?
0: I think there's going to continue to be tension there. There's that line from Littlefinger where he says, Bronzion Royce will continue to be hostile, I fear, but so long as he stands alone, he is not so much a threat. And I think that they're either going to end up secretly aligned at the end or that Elaine clears up the need of alignment when she's revealed because. Bronze Yon will likely take up Sansa's cause and go north and leave the veil in Nestor's hands. That's, that would be my guess, that he would basically say, you have the veil while I'm gone, while I go north. Um, and that would stop Nestor being like a mini, I don't know, Stannis <laughs> fledgling like, wing. Clear. You know what I mean? Because it's like the whole thing is he's part of that side hedge, that sideline of Royce's that isn't worthy. You know, it's like the Aaron's the a gold town. That's what that's basically what they are
1: yeah but the errands of goldtown seem a lot happier as people
0: yeah throwing that out there (laughs) in crusader kings 2 in the game of thrones mod there's like one Mm -hmm. chick amory uh amory from gold of goldtown amory erin and she always ends up marrying one of my people but she's just like cute and chubby and has blonde hair and she looks real happy good for her yeah
1: i i agree good for them and it's not just that right like you said they're like Erin's of gold town. We had this come up quite a few times throughout the books. There's mm-hmm. that, uh there's the Fossaways, right? Mm-hmm. There's the Two Houses, there's the also the and we'll touch on this later on, like the two Danes and then there's like the Lannisters of Lannisport. Yes. So But before we get there, another house that I kind of wanted to touch on that I think has been interesting to me is House Redford. They're not, like, that big of a house. I don't know that they'll play, like, a huge role, but as we've seen in A Song of Ice and Fire, sometimes, like, one small character can, like, make a decision, right? And it affects a lot of other things. And I think what's interesting is Michael Redford and his fling with Maya Stone. Oh, Maya. Sorry. And he ended up being forced to marry... Th- speaking about the Royces, Yasila Royce, who actually I had, I would consider her forgotten. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember her, and she's Bronze Jan Royce's daughter. And so I think that's an interesting alliance uh, that it's brought up in Sansa's storyline. And House Redford actually turns out used to foster Domeric.
0: Domeric. Oh my god. I love Domeric.
1: I do love Domeric. I bet House Redford also loved Domeric. <laughs> And I it like, does that complicate the relationship with the Boltons who are opposed to the Starks right now? Or maybe they'll like even hate Ramsay even more and be like, we love
0: Domeric. Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. And there's also some history in Westeros, right? Not just from the modern story. Uh in the Battle of the Seven Stars that I've talked about a little bit during some of our Veil vale chapters, Torgold Tolette slayed Lord Redfert and Ursula Upcliff, but Lord Redfert. In the Battle of the Seven Stars. And then he was killed via King Robar the Second Royce, smashing his head with Lady Forlorn. So I almost wonder if maybe th- there's going to be some murder at this tourney, is what I think is about oh. to happen in the, the Winds of Winter tourney. Uh sure. The Wing Knights tourney. I think that there's a chance Redford could kill Andrew Talat in the tourney accidentally, even. And that would be kind of an interesting inversion instead of the Talat killing the Redford this time. Not entirely out of the question. It could go the other way too. It could go that Andrew Tallent kills Michael Redford, but by some magical force, if Dolores Ed did survive the long night and like the whole Night's Watch thing ended up abolished, Ed technically would be the heir. He so would. And I, lands. I
1: can imagine him now being like, "How did I get here? Yep. <laughs> How did this fucking happen to me?" And complaining about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's Just interesting. A for thought. Yeah. I mean, he could survive. I remember way back then on Easter Monthly, we had asserted that the triangles and stuff on the Talit sigil mm-hmm. were, I don't know how we got there. I was probably very, very drunk, as uh-huh. usual. And um, they are supposed to be teeth, and the teeth are obsidian daggers. And something about Dolor's Ed chomping his way through the others and Army of the Dead
0: Yeah. You're like, yeah, no. don't know. I don't. I don't know. This sounds like a (laughs) Maester Monthly episode, though, for sure.
1: Yep, that sounds about right.
0: I'm Uh, like, I feel like I probably did hear this, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, I probably did discuss this, but... (laughs) I don't know.
0: Uh, There's a a bunch of other stuff, though, in the Mountain Clans, not just the Tolette lands and Dolores, Ed, and Torgul Tillet and Andrew T'let. Uh There's also the Mountain Clans. Those are definitely one of those uh, Chekhov guns in the story oh, waiting sure. to go off. And there's like
1: a lot of it, of course, going on with, oh, Tyrion, that's right, promised these, all of these people the veil. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know yet how he's going to pull that off. There are obviously ideas, right? Right. But something that I think is interesting that I see brought up every now and then so maybe it's not forgotten, but I think it's forgotten enough because it's not discussed nearly enough, right? But this Harry the Air plot is actually Timot, son of Timot, of the Burned Men. There are assertions that actually Timot has a claim to the Vale of Aaron. He's again of the Burned Men, and then some history behind them, like they might have some history of like worshipping nettles, right? And within the line of the burned men. One of them apparently might have carried off the daughter of Alice Aaron and Ellis Wainwood. That's a couple named Ellis and Alice. Oh my
0: god. Uh, like, they chose to be together.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it's interesting. They they must have chosen it. It was and a the-
0: choice. White people <sighs> yeah. were the yeah. worst. Were the literal worst.
1: <laughs> so they, yeah, their daughter was on the way to being married to a bracket and then got kidnapped and Carried so yeah timid son of Timot.
0: yeah and i mean so harry's gonna die Wins winner let's just put Wrong. that out there harry harding's gonna die he's an upjumped little shit i think it'll probably be lynn Corbray that does it but if he dies timet could have the veil but also i'm i'm of this faction this very small faction that thinks robert aaron will live so i think after seeing how a,
1: you moved me during those Sansa chapters that he might live, and B, seeing how the show went down, I'm like, honestly, maybe that is the subversion of expectations. Everyone thinks he's gonna fucking die and then he lives? Like, good for you, Robert Aaron. Grow up, yeah. have a fucking character development arc, become a growner person. He's not gonna get that much older, right? right. Probably like two years. But I mean, and Even older, Peter has that line, still.
0: even sickly little boys, you know? King girl yeah. to be great.
1: And it would be an interesting parallel between him and Bran.
0: Yes. Boy Kings. Yeah. Boy Lords, yeah. So I don't know, but boards. I do like the Timet boards. The Timet is really <laughs> fun. I don't know if it would actually happen, and I don't know that maybe Timet would want it. Maybe he would just be the King of the Mountains instead, you know? I'm King of the Mountains. Same. <laughs> I think I'm thinking of that scene where uh Never mind. It's
1: Mulan. Mulan related.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> it, it was Mulan. Seem- <laughs> it was Mulan. It's always Mulan. Uh, so the north. Yeah, the north.
1: So, as we talk about the others in the Free Folk, I wanted to touch quickly on Mother Mole. Who is she? Uh, we don't she- know. We don't really know, but I I think there is some potential there. Oh. Mother Mole is north of the wall. She led the wildlings to hard home, thinking, "Yeah, I, I saw vision. This is totally gonna be fine and safe." But no, Awful. it went down differently than in the show, right? As opposed to them being enslaved by being killed and turned via necromancy, they were just enslaved.
0: Yep, trafficked. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they were trafficked by people from Braavos,
0: and that's the other thing that John chooses to go save Arya instead of go to Hardhome. He tries to
1: have it both ways. He's like, "All right, I'm going to send these people to Hardhome because I sent Cotter Pike and they need help now, but yep. also we're going to go do this thing." It's like, okay, so he's going to fucking stay at the Wall, dude.
0: Yep. Well, so. I got news for who he is.
1: Yeah, but I, I mean, in that chapter, some of his men call him out. They're like, so while we're at Home, what are you going to do? Just chill here with your fucking dog? Like, that's more or less what they literally say.
0: Yeah. Yep. God, we're going to be there really soon. Uh.
1: Yeah, we are. But I, I just wanted to call out Mother Mole. I think that we talk about the people at Home a lot, but we don't talk about her. The Mole. What if she's like, yeah, what if she's like, a, it's an interesting name. I don't think that she would have been named like that if she wasn't going to show up at some point. It's got a widow of the waterfront kind of feel to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I wonder what her role could be in *The Winds of Winter*. Do you think that she'll still be kicking, mulling around?
1: Oh, wow! Oh, like a badger mole, like in in teaching earthbending. Could be,
0: could be. You're like no, Eliana. I like how you have to translate like what Chloe really means <laughs> it is no, but I love you, and we'll crush your dreams. <laughs> I mean, you know. Bless her. <laughs> I don't know. We probably won't see Mother Mole again.
1: We haven't even seen her at all. It's not really an again.
0: We've seen her name.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why I think that she's going to show up because we haven't seen her at all. You don't give someone a name like Mother Mole.
0: Do you think <laughs> she's basically opinion. the North of the Wall ghost of High Heart? Could she give, like, Jon Snow visions or things? Oh. No. Okay,
1: I see that. I think that'd be interesting because does the mole imply that she's blind?
0: That's kind of what I was thinking. Maybe very, like... And there'd be an irony
1: there if she's blind but has visions.
0: Yes. Very, uh... You know, I guess, like, a mashup of Aemon and the ghost of Highheart and, you know, all these little mystical characters. Are you telling me you ship
1: Amon and the ghost of Highheart?
0: They could have been happy.
1: He could have, actually. You're right.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he'll see Mother Mole north of the wall. Maybe she'll tell him he has to end the long night or something. Who knows?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then as she's telling him that, I don't know, she dies.
0: That's what I was going to say. Maybe he finds her and she dies after. I don't know. I don't know.
1: None of us know. I just wanted to call out Mother Mole. I thought she was interesting in. And- something's tugging at me about her
0: yeah she could have something it would be interesting for him to get that i guess no matter what he's probably going to get visions and stuff from bran and that's where we'll get that exposition when bran comes back sure
1: Hmm. yeah i guess he'd have a hard time it sounds like he can't do it across the wall so
0: Mm -hmm. well speaking of far away cold places how about skagos i'm really interested in skagos you know i'm like obsessed with it right now I know you are. All I can think about is Davos' Skagos plot. And it makes me wonder, like, what Skagos families are we going to meet? Will we meet tribes and people? I hope so. I I really think that the Skagosi are going to be different than we are Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's just going to be wildly torn out of proportion.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to be, like, super chill.
0: Yeah, there's literally known, there's only three houses that we know of. There's... House Stain of Driftwood Hall, there's Stain. House of Kroll of Deep Down, and then there's House Magnar of King House.
1: Yeah, which is interesting because they're not, it's still drawing from the same tongue, right? And we had discussed this before. They're not the
0: Magnar then, Thain. Mm-hmm. they House. They're House Magnar, yeah. But that's the same thing. It's taken from the old tongue word, meaning lord. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's it suggested that the Knight's King could have been a Magnar, a House Magnar man, and uh, yeah, all we know is there's just one house of them, and then there's also House Crawl, and we hear Kral. of Lord Commander Crawl, who was a, a Lord Commander of the Watch a thousand years ago.
1: That is interesting. I, I he's a forgotten character to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then we also have House Stain. There was a Stain who was the position of First Ranger in the Night's Watch, but died huh. shortly after. That was in the Annals of the Black Centaur by Septon Jorquin. Oh. All of these people are forgotten to me. Yeah, absolutely. So there are houses in Skagos, though. So those are the three houses we know of.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, They've got to play a role somehow. Like, even if it's not larger within the context of what we would think as intertwined storyline they're gonna probably play a role in davos's therefore important yeah
0: i'd imagine that we're going to meet at least one member of house magnar house stain and house kroll during the winds of winter and i'd imagine one of them will be who is watching after Rickon. Uh, i would think maybe the one that was the lord commander maybe house Croll. yeah maybe house kroll maybe that'll be a nice parallel that george wants to play with right mm-hmm. that's an idea Yeah. there's my theory Yeah, or he
1: wants to troll us and just have multiple Magnars play a big role.
0: Yeah, and like you said, I imagine they are decent people and they're not really like bloody cannibalists that are just like tearing kids apart.
1: Yeah, I still strongly believe that like we're gonna find out that the sort of cannibalism they practice is very ritualistic in that it's our dead died, and therefore we are making them part of us. And to be honest, if you're consuming your dead as opposed to burning them, it's still getting rid, in my opinion, of the body
0: mm-hmm.
1: in keeping in practice of as opposed to, like, them coming back as whites.
0: I would also point out that this is something that's happening, happened in, you know, Stannis' camp, and Stannis dealt with even it uh, when he was holding storm so the idea of cannibalism yeah. breaking out, and Stan is saying no, 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 and Davos is going to be in a moral situation where these people do it as ritual, and it's going against this king that he's already obviously having issues supporting. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to see what he thinks of it and of these mm-hmm. people that are doing something his king would never do.
1: Yeah, unless like, well. Let's- they were almost to that point, right? Right. And what if they do start doing that in Stantis' camp, and they do it in Skagos, and that huge difference in like the circumstances around it, mm-hmm. maybe that will be jarring for Davos. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
0: And the other forgotten character on Skagos is the Obsidian <laughs> Dragon <laughs> Glass. <laughs> Uh, Skagos has. That's not a shit what I thought you were going to say. Dress. No, I, I know. I, I surprised you.
1: I know. I'm wow. always
0: surprising you. You're the forgotten character, Chloe. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, please sign from- your Girls Gone Canon forgotten character episode, too. <laughs> but Chloe's the ascending extra. I'm the ascending extra. Yes, hands.
1: So extra.
0: Oh. Uh, no, yeah, but there is a bunch of obsidian at Skagos. So I have a strong feeling Davos will be returning with. Obsidian.
1: You guys, Chloe has remembered so much from these books. Like, there's
0: one Yeah. I only
1: remember. Okay, what I remember and I think is not forgotten is the unicorn. So I think that the the obsidian is a good call.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. The unicorns are the best part of this whole goddamn thing. But great mammoths with big old horns on their foreheads, furry as fuck,
1: giant goats.
0: Yeah. Fucking giant goats. Those are the really cool thing. But yeah, obsidian. Uh, I think it's in the world book a couple times. And uh, it's it's filled with obsidian. There's lots of that. So I'm imagining that Davos will be leaving with only obsidian and no rickon.
1: Yeah, and I guess that makes sense, right? Depending on where it is, and like hard home is theorized as what a place of volcanic activity, mm-hmm. it makes sense for Skagos to be maybe along, maybe some sort of. Volcanic line. Volcanic trench, yeah, and yeah. line, right? Because Dragonstone is. And so clearly in, in the real world, a lot of, not all islands, right? Hashtag not all islands. But quite a few are formed from volcanic activity.
0: Yeah. That's crazy to think about that there is volcanic activity in the north. And then it, it, it makes you wonder. I know there's a lot of theories that people have that get crazy. Like, oh, the north was built on this volcano, blah, blah, blah. And the north is actually really Valyria or some crap. You know, just weird what? stuff. I'm sure it exists, but I've read things like that.
1: I mean, it's got hot springs, but like... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's not Valyria.
0: <laughs> so, and just to throw it out there, I wouldn't say that today in 2019, Osha is a forgotten character. I think Natalie Tena, who was in the Game of Thrones HBO TV series that originated before the books are written. Um, I'm just kidding. God. Uh, But Natalie Tenna played her, taunts from Harry Potter, I say this affectionately, played her. And George said he so enjoyed her performance that he actually decided to write more for Osha in The Winds of Winter. So I think that's worth mentioning, that George actually paid attention to that adaptation of her and said, oh, I could do more for her.
1: Yeah, so George would consider her perhaps a potentially forgotten character, but not anymore. Yeah. Which brings us to some other characters in the North, right? That Osha had mentioned, but they didn't end up going that direction, like the Grey John Umper.
0: Yeah, uh, he is currently captive, held at the Phrase in the Riverlands, so we miss him, bring him home, bring him north. There's a couple other characters, like Mage Mormont and Galbert Glover. They were sent north with Rob's will. And there's also Hallis Mullen, this is a good one. Homest? Yeah, this Definitely is Definitely
1: forgotten, I'm like, who the fuck is this,
0: Chloe? <laughs> <laughs> So he was escorting bones of Stark soldiers and likely got caught somewhere in the neck, hooking up with Beep, Howland Reed, Beep, what, sorry, who said that, and Mage and Galbert. So it's kind of theorized that this, like, secondary subset of characters is probably all hanging out in the neck, figuring out their next move, their neck. Their neck, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: And yep. there's, you know, there's something that I guess we didn't really cover, in the Adawada chapters of Theon that a couple of people commented on, which is the hooded man theory of who the guy that's Tyler Durdening and killing people in the Frey party in Winterfell with the Boltons. Um, And uh, maybe it is Hallis Mullen. A lot of people theorize he could be him. Yeah, Yeah. And I do wonder maybe he's going to keep going around, killing Freys and Boltons in this Grand Northern conspiracy type thing. I don't know. It's interesting to think about. We don't know where this guy is, and he has been off the map. Yeah, I do want to come
1: back quickly to the to Grey John Umber, just because the Umbers are starting to play a role again in the North. They're kind of split and playing both sides against each other, or seem to be spying right on the Boltons. Mm-hmm. Maybe, from my understanding. And Crowfood Umber is going to make an appearance dead or alive. I'm not saying anything. I've never looked at Zoomed in images of George's computer, never. But Hallis Mullen, I think, is interesting. Like, And if he is still... Right, escorting the bones of Stark soldiers. He might clash with Barbary Dustin, who is kind of central, or was somewhat central to Theon's storyline.
0: Yeah, uh, and she does not want those bones coming back, she says.
1: Allegedly. Allegedly.
0: Maybe she does. Maybe she just wants to touch them.
1: Yeah, different-
0: I mean, bones? Bone. Bones. Done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so here's one that's super forgotten. Uh, I feel like everyone forgets about him, and it's funny because you and I were doing these uh, these ideas up and getting them written down just to give ourselves some ideas for who the frick we were going to talk about. Digging through our brain cells, and I thought about Stone Snake. He is still alive, maybe to our knows. knowledge. And poor Quentin in the NadaCast Slack, the uh, Nada Slack as it's been affectionately dubbed, said something about how he has imagined the wall falling in an epilogue with Stone Snake as a POV character. That
1: would be so interesting. Like, it all comes down, and there's just Stone Snake on the other side. Like, I did it.
0: And then the others, like, descend on him and then through him. Like, oh. do-do-do-do. Yeah, <laughs> he die. that's when he dies. But, yeah, no body found. I, yeah, we never
1: saw his body. There's no confirmation. I- I did truly forget about him until, like, we were on those chapters in Clash. I'm like, so what happened to Stone Snake? And then, nothing. I was like, all right, interesting. We have to record a different episode now, but, you know, Stone
0: Snake. <laughs> and it heard us talking about him. disappeared. <laughs> That's, like, his segment. favorite thing. Yeah, he's like, he just messaged me. That's the thing. Whenever he hears his name, he's like, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here.
1: So he's listening always like Voldemort.
0: Lord Adam in Devolt at the Candy. Wow. I don't know. So let's move our map. Let's uh move the globe a little and let's travel on down to the Riverlands.
1: The Riverlands. Don't go chasing waterfalls.
0: Please stick to the Red Fork and the Blue Fork you used to.
1: I know that you got gonna- to no, I'm bad at lyrics, sorry. going no. bend
0: the knee to the Lannisters, but I think you should stay loyal. Loyal? All caps. <laughs> so loyal, <laughs> speaking of loyal, how about the Brotherhood Without Banners? Wow,
1: what a segue. You should Thank do every you. segue.
0: <laughs> Thanks, I did radio for a while. Uh, I did too, My was just bad at it. <laughs> they're cheesy that's the problem like all segues are cheesy so it's like that's how true. can i make this not cheesy there's a faction of the brotherhood that split off from lady stoneheart and it consists of a couple of bigger name characters in the brotherhood right edric dane on guy who like we said is kind of on the cusp and both of those guys are from the same neighborhood kind of edric's from starfall on is from the marches right around the corner and both of their whereabouts are currently unknown and then there's also kind of a laundry list of smaller guys that aren't currently with Lady Stoneheart's group. There's Merritt O'Moontown, Waddy the Miller, Swampy Meg, John O'Nutton. Me too, John. Always Ew. O. Nutten, uh, Melly, Mellie <laughs> Cuttingfoot, the Mad Huntsman, Pello. Hello Called Greenbeard. And the Mad Huntsman and Greenbeard were both searching south of the Mander for food. So they might not actually be in with this group, but I find this a curious, curious little ditty because of, think, uh, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, because of a certain person that we've had on our show, Joe Magician, he has oh. a theory about the showdown at the Tower of Joy, where basically the too long don't oh. read is that history could repeat itself with Ned and Gerald Dane playing out the parts. There's namesakes of Ned and Gerald Hightower for Ned Stark and Gerald Hightower at the ruins of Tower of Joy over Dawn. Uh, And it even kind of boils down with those spare missing members from the Brotherhood. That's seven and three if you have Edric Dane and the six guys. And then you look at who's your three, Gerald Dane, Obara. And oh, who knows? I don't know if Ario somehow is there. I don't know. know. But it's an interesting concept, uh, especially because then you consider Whoever this is happening through, maybe they do swing by Starfall at some point. Maybe we'll see someone who is a little forgotten, Illyria Dane, who was betrothed Mm -hmm. to Beric. Will we get some Illyria Dane action? I don't know. These are a bunch of really cool characters that we just don't hear anything about, and they just get taken off the page. And I think we're going to see them in The Wind's Winter.
1: I think that's a good point. Illyria Dane is a forgotten character, and I... I wouldn't be surprised if George forgot about her too and isn't going to do anything with her other than have had her there for Barrick. But I think that that's interesting. I also just really like a lot of the names of these people who are in the Brotherhood and they're not part of Lady Stoneheart's group, like in the way that I really like the name Horse. But Swampy Meg is great, as is Puddingfoot. You know, these are solid names.
0: It's interesting because a couple of them have some weird names, like. What's this Moontown one?
1: Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. That
0: reminded me of Miles Moon Town. Oh. Moontown. Yeah. Maybe
1: he's, like, I don't know, maybe it's, like, a bastard house and they just it just got perverted, like, over the yeah. years. Or, or could it be, like, a Vale town, right, that maybe. is on the cusp of there in the Riverlands, like, because the there's so many moon things yeah. with the Vale? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know but i think uh that's an interesting idea of like the showdown there because there's got to be something that all these fucking danes running around are doing right
0: i don't know i don't know if there are dude
1: i mean i think they're going to come me. back into play I-, I mean at the very least i think gerald dane and maybe Arianne yeah. are going to at least cross paths once more
0: probably when he's like named as a kingsguard member or some bullshit
1: do you think ned Dane, Edric Dane is going to see Arya again.
0: I don't know. I hope so. And if so, maybe to meet john But I also worry that he's cut.
1: Yeah, or or it could be when they converge, perhaps, or if they all converge upon Lady Stoneheart, and he tells Arya, like, "Yo, dude, that's your mom."
0: Yeah, that would be interesting. I guess, like, I, I think he has to go east. I think he has to go towards his home at this point. To go east, he must go west. Oh, my God. <laughs> but they've already broken off, right? And he yeah. is likely, if him and Angai are from the same neighborhood, they're likely going towards their home. Yeah. And you have to go through the princess pass to do pretty much anything over there. I can see them falling in a little with
1: Fagon in the way, that, like, the lads, right? In Fire and Blood. Because yeah. they're so young. I'm like, Oh. What a cool looking older kid. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like I don't know, Fagon might be someone that a lot of like the the more warrior like, right, mm-hmm. young men go behind, hope. especially after Lady Stoneheart. They're like, that guy looks not like a crazy zombie.
0: Well, and I, I think it's pretty obvious at this point Gerald will fall in with them because yeah. Norn in general will. I hope that, the, that Starfall just stays out of it, though. I hope that it's just the off-branch that gets into it. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like the Starfall branch is more concerned with the realm's total affairs, not in the politics. You have Edric joining on with Beric, you know, to be his cupbearer than Squire. Um, you have Illyria and Beric mar- almost married, betrothed, likely as a, a ploy to keep the Marcher Lords from attacking Dorne and vice versa Yeah, uh, political marriage. And you know, you have a couple of those marriages, but I feel like Gerald Dane's obviously trying to ploy for power. And it's just like with Nestor, right? He's falling him with yeah. Littlefinger because of power. And I feel like the the main Danes don't have to do that because, you know, they're just like power is where power, power does, baby.
1: And they're are like, power.
0: they're a respected old house. They don't need to play that game. And yeah. that's not their ambitions. What do they have to earn? Nothing. Yeah. Everyone's
1: like, wow, look, they're so cool and so hot.
0: Yeah. With their purple eyes.
1: Yeah. I mean, they think that too about Gerald Dane, apparently. The readers don't, but Arianne does. Uh,
0: And George. (laughs) Yeah, George apparently
1: also thinks that Gerald Dane is super cool. He's like, I don't understand. Why does no one else feel the same?
0: Okay, George. (laughs) And another character with those brotherhood characters that I'll briefly mention. I think he does get a little bit of stage time. But Tom of Seven Streams, he's in Riverrun as a musician right now in Lord Emin Frey's household. So he's a spy, basically, in there.
1: I guess I just, yeah, I agree that he's definitely a spy and will therefore play a role in it. I guess I just don't think of him as forgotten because everyone yeah. talks about the floppy fish song all the time. And I'm like...
0: It's a banger, lads. It is.
1: It is a bop.
0: Yeah, it's a straight bop. But he is <laughs> like, there, and I guess to them he's forgotten because they don't know who he is, so... That's true. Wow. They're
1: all like, yeah, that one-hit wonder. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, Edmure feels the same. He's like, get, get
0: him the fuck out. <laughs> so, we'll see what happens there. I'm guessing he'll be part of executing whatever the Red Wedding 2.0 esque event is.
1: Mm hmm. For sure. And then, of course, there's also Forley
0: Prester. I feel like no one talks about him.
1: They really don't. I I was like, this name sounds familiar. Maybe you know more so as much. of late.
0: More as of late. But-
1: yeah, that's true. You You know so much, Chloe.
0: My gosh. No, I just pay attention to really stupid, trivial people.
1: I do too, but then I talk about them enough that they are no
0: look They don't feel small. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. you know so much, only just no, like...
1: I just really focus. I'm like, all right, got you guys, we're going to talk about Lothar Brune and Strongbellus all the time now. And I mean, I just like strongly believe in them
0: and forget everyone else, apparently. <laughs> so, and of course. I get that. So Forley Prester. He's currently charged with killing Jane Westerling if she escapes the party that's moving hostages to Casterly Rock.
1: I think that's very interesting. I would not be surprised if, because of that, since we know from George that Jane Westerling will feature in the Wins prologue if he's there.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people. And I mean, uh, when I say a lot, I was trying to nail down just the person who originally was like, Orly Prester POV! And there's so many people that have talked about it online. Yeah, there's a ton. A ton. So I'm like, he's not that forgotten, apparently. I guess Jamie giving him that order very specifically is what drawed the eye. But even before that, he was very off the page. He was very uh, ascending extra. Absolutely. I think what
1: makes him feel a little more forgotten is like, as you said, people suggest he could be the POV for the wins prologue but it's because i think ill and pain gets all of the spotlight on that and everyone's mm-hmm. like maybe it'll be an ill and pain prologue which i personally <laughs> love the idea of but seems a little out of line i guess with the way that george has been doing his prologues
0: yeah for sure uh, i think there's a small folk aspect that we've seen of you know that you can't have lords in it or higher-born people so I-, I think that's interesting obviously Forley's is a little bit higher up
1: Yeah. I think there's an interesting context so, you know, in Googling about Forley Prester also there's a user named like Abdallah over on the Westeros forums and basically is pointing out like, yo, Forley Prester saves House Lannister's ass during the War of the Five Kings. I am adding way more curse words to this than this user used. And (laughs) Abdallah says, So it seems to me that Forley Prester's actions during the Battle of the Camp saved House Lannister from disaster. He helped save 2,000 spearmen and 2,000 bowmen by withdrawing instead of foolishly attacking Rob Stark's force. By doing so, Rob couldn't attack Casterly Rock because he would have to also deal with a 4,000 man host that could flank attack. This became especially important after the Battle of Oxcross. So, not only mm-hmm. is Forley Prester, I mean, I don't know if this is a fluke or not, but not only is Forley Prester assigned such a pivotal role, it seems like he's a strategic mind in the Lannister like military force.
0: It feels more and more like he's got to be the POV because he's a strategic mind that's been built up quietly in the background, and now he's charged with this specific thing. That a strategic mind should be able to fully accomplish this, right?
1: Right, but like, what if Forley Prester? I don't know, has a whatever conscience, right? Right,
0: and I, what I if mean, what on. if I what if Forley Prester hesitates? Yeah, more like Forley Clover. Oh my god!
1: I mean, I guess you know Forley Prester. Jamie thinks he would be an able hand of the king. He might just like not be a huge dick, you know, and be like, maybe I don't
0: want to kill. jane Westley. i don't know yeah and i imagine that hesitation is what's going to kill him and not only that in doing so i feel
1: like it would be a george move for him to hesitate and then you see oh he's not terrible
0: and there then he dies because yes that grayness yeah absolutely i i'm imagining i mean let's be real for the most part they die or they come alive or they everyone
1: you know someday will die but instead of saying all of your goodbyes, let them know you realize they're not forgotten characters. <sighs> okay. But speaking of the Lannisters and, you know, the people that Forley Prester works for and is protecting, let's go to the Westerlands.
0: Yeah, let's dive to the Westerlands just for a quick second, because someone that really ties in here. A hot second. A hot second. <laughs> <laughs> just, just someone that really ties in, though, is uh, Stafford Stafford's son, Davin Lannister. This is Joanna Lannister's nephew, technically. Uh, Stafford was her brother. And so in the background, Davin Lannister has had some negotiations going on to marry Desmera Redwine through his father. Then his father dies, and Tywin has promised Davin to a fray since they just joined the frays on for the Lannister Alliance. Davin doesn't want to break his vows after seeing what happened to the Starks. He jokes mostly. And he also is a guy that has said he wants to avenge Stafford's death at Oxcross, and he vows to not cut his hair until his dad is avenged. Rock and roll. Uh, (laughs) Rock and roll. I love
1: the depiction of a long-haired Davin Lannister. First of all, how long was his hair already? Second of all, in this picture drawn by Nacho Molina for Fantasy Flight Games of Dobbin, it's actually really great. Very cool, but also, I'm envious of Davin's, like, hair-growing game.
0: Yeah, right? It's gorgeous. It just, like, happens overnight, apparently.
1: I know, it's very- it, <laughs> like, takes a long time to grow your hair out that long.
0: Well, so to be fair, something that I think is very funny is Karstark obviously dies, uh, and that's who killed his dad, and after he finds out that Carstark died in battle, he's like, huh, well- I'm still going to grow my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like a fucking <laughs> dad thing, you know? We don't
1: yeah. Have... So the, the real thing is that all he was just a fucking hippie.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he has a really long beard because his chin looks like a brick, he says. Oh. So I think he's like the blonde Lannister Robert Baratheon of his time. It's kind of his attitude. He's very, like, strong and warrior. And I, he's holding down the Riverlands for Jamie, basically, holding the fort down just barely. I think that's an interesting comparison to tie him to young Robert, but
1: within the Lannister household, of course.
0: I think these chapters are great because you're meeting him, you meet Jenna, you meet all these Lannister characters that show you, like, ah, there's a spectrum of Lannisters.
1: Yeah, also, bless Jenna. Not forgotten,
0: because we always keep her in our hearts. Yeah, and Amory, you're in my heart, too. Yeah. Also, I I do care about Lancel. He's not forgotten either. Yeah, and Devin, yeah. I think you were just saying this before we recorded. Davin is very nega Lancel, right? He's like the yeah. foil to Lancel. He is the the Lannister warrior to you know he's the the Magor to the Aenys. He's
1: yeah. I mean, there's there's all of that. He's as you said, like Robert esque. He's very martial, mm-hmm. etc. And I mean, what he's out here growing his hair, and Lancel's over here losing hair.
0: It's like the Aegon <laughs> to the Baylor.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's literally that. Yeah. Davin hasn't, like, I think, had enough hardship in his life, and Lancel's had a lot.
0: Yeah, Davin, like, came back from Not too much boarding school and playing lacrosse professionally. And Lancel's like, I was at the Blackwater. Lancel's like, <laughs> I've seen some shit. I was taken advantage of by our cousin. I confusedly liked it. It was still wrong. It was,
1: yeah, the power dynamics were wrong. And also, I was at the Blackwater. I was the only one who stood up to her when our other cousin, who's also <laughs> our cousin, like in a lot of ways, <laughs> was taken off the
0: battlefield. But, like, then you're talking yeah. about, like, how oh. our cousin, in a lot of ways, and there's, like, Joanna Lannister yeah. and Tywin Lannister are also cousins. So the I kids know. are already cousins in that way. And then on top of that, and then their kids. And Wait, oh my god. We forgot the time he was also blackmailed by
1: their other cousin.
0: Oh my god, exactly, Tyrion. <laughs> god, there's too many
1: cousins. So we remember Lancel, but we forgot. Th- I think a lot of people forget. I, I remember because I think Lancel like, has been portrayed to a lot of people as like this dickish guy because of we see a lot mm-hmm. of him through Tyrion's POV, but I'm like, I don't know, Lancel was a kid.
0: Yeah, and Tyrion's just mean because he wants to feel better about himself. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, a thing he does, so... It's hard when you're seeing it through that lens, that very cynical, mean lens.
1: Yeah, Lancel wasn't, like, great to him, but at the same time, I'm like, yo... He's a kid. Yeah.
0: You're a grown-ass adult, just chill. Yeah. Well... Anyway, debatable. Other people in the Westerlands. So... He does end up joining forces with Forley Prester. Uh, Davin Lannister ends up joining forces with Forley Prester to fight at the Golden Tooth and to besiege River Run to tie those two together. And he also very much does not like the phrase. Uh, he hates having to be allied with them. So hashtag
1: not all phrase. If we're gonna be like hashtag not all Lannisters, <laughs> Davin, come on.
0: <laughs> what does it mean though, Eliana? Like, is he gonna rule semi justly? Is he gonna be a good Lannister? <sighs> That family's fucked
1: up. Yeah, they're so fucked up. I don't know. I don't know. Like, it seems like an uphill battle. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe. Like, Or he brings it all down with him. There's an aspect to the whole I'm not cutting my hair thing that reminds me of Samson. Hmm. But I don't think that's where George is going with him. It doesn't seem like it. He's
0: just a hippie. (laughs) And then if you look at Cersei, though, with her Um, hair.
1: That's true. I think hair is... Very significant in House Lannister. Yeah, it for signals the Lion's of, Mane. Yeah, it, it signals a lot of character change. It does throughout all of A Song of Ice and Fire, not just A Song of Ice and Fire. I like wrote an essay, kind of on this, like a long time ago. What was it? It was some sort of stupid hair pun. Was it a hair today, gone tomorrow? Maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> and it's not just in A Song of Ice and Fire. In a lot of shows, right, when someone's hair changes, it signals some sort of change in them.
0: In real life, too. Have you ever had a girlfriend? God. Yeah,
1: but also, I don't know. I just, like...
0: Aliana, when was the last big change you made to your hair?
1: I grew it out. My hair, when you and I first met, my hair was short,
0: remember? I remember. You had it short. So when did you chop it off?
1: I chopped it off 2016, maybe? Okay. And then I met you 2017.
0: What were you doing in 2016? What was big?
1: I don't know. Nothing?
0: Well, I just
1: change my hair every two to three years. I'm like, I'm bored. It, it's a <sighs> purely a boredom thing. It has nothing to do with
0: my internal. I bet there was life change, and I bet you just don't remember. I'm gonna go with my theory. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so... Haas or Blackwood? Haas!
0: Oh, he's a cutie pie. He's he like is a cutie pie. He's like a little pie. string bean. He's a nerd. He's a fucking nerd. He's yeah. like bookish. He's tall. Like Jamie thinks that he's almost seven feet tall, and he's like gangly. Um, he's basically so he's a hostage for Titus's good behavior to the Lannisters.
1: Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is interesting though that he's so bookish and is that hostage. It makes me worried for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm
0: really worried, worried about, about
1: that him, boy. especially because I wonder like, does doesn't Jamie like see some of Tyrion in him or something with that bookishness? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what he he thinks, uh, you know, like, oh, Tyrion and him would talk for hours.
1: Yeah, so, I don't know, I'm worried about that boy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he likely wouldn't be freed until A Dream of Spring as a hostage, maybe, but he'd have to um, survive King's Landing, where he's going, right? Or even the Riverlands at this point. Like, he's not really in a safe area there, either. Uh, And it, it does remind me of Cregan Stark coming south. During the Hour of the Wolf and dealing with the Riverlands folk who were displaced. Uh, makes me think about that as well with the Blackwood presence. So I'm wondering if he's going to be held hostage until like a dream of spring and mm. just somehow get like, you know, John goes into the dungeons and frees people or something. I don't know. I don't
1: know. It's interesting because now that I think about it, his name hosters is obviously like
0: hostage. Fa- yes, that's it. That's where I was going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, host her as a hostage. That's and, and so interesting. And a little tinfoil, I don't know. Maybe this is a kid that Sansa could matrilineally marry someday and have kids with and, like, keep her name or something. Because he prays to the old gods, so it would be a kid with some First Men blood. Yeah. Some old gods' beliefs. And I don't know, it's an idea. Especially because of, like, the whole, again, Cregan start marrying Allie.
1: Yeah, I'm just not convinced that like Sansa gets married. But
0: so Jason Mallister is another Riverlands person. Believe it or not, Eliana, I didn't know if you knew that Seagard was in the Riverlands, but it is. I, I did. <laughs> Wait, no, it's, we're in the Westerlands right now, though, right? Uh, we we stopped in the Westerlands. We're leaving the Westerlands now. Remember, because we're going Oster back Blackwood. to the
1: Riverlands.
0: Yeah, that was just a break because of Fort Lee Prester. There's so much <laughs> going on in the Riverlands. The riverlands, I
1: mean, yeah, it is. It's like the center where everything happens, you know. Yeah,
0: central location.
1: So, yeah, Jason Ballister.
0: He, I he's like a little stowaway dude right now.
1: Stowaway dude, he's not little, he's old.
0: Well, he's Jason's probably a, little. His bones are probably crumbled. Jason's a dad. <laughs> Jason's a dad. Don't talk like that. <laughs> Uh, so he surrendered Seaguard because he wanted his son Patrack home, and now they're just prisoners there.
1: Yeah, I think he is definitely someone who's gonna play a role in future books. There's, There's so cool much They have a cool sigil. He has a there he has a relative up at the wall, and then also like I don't know, with all of the Ironborn stuff mm-hmm. going on, and they
0: hate the Malisters, right? Yeah, he's gotta have some sort of role.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jason Malster seems like a cool dude amongst other people that I'm like, oh, that would have been an interesting, like, widow or widowy ship.
0: Oh, Catelyn. Like with
1: Catelyn? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. She thinks he's still handsome. Oh,
0: Catelyn. That's what I said. Jason's a dad. Jason's a dad. You've been thinking about this at, like, no pun intended. Yeah, life. I don't think about Patrick ever. I'm just like, but Jason. Jason is a zaddy. I he it sounds to me like Catlin thinks he is, and also like his son.
1: You know, Patrick's like good friends with Edmure Tully.
0: Yes, so. yes, they are good buddies. So, who's my big question is who's going to free all these people in the Riverlands? Arya, Arya, and Nymaria's door to door service. <laughs>
1: Nymaria coming in with like her, her and her wolves, and them like using their snouts to be like mm-hmm. turning the keys with like their teeth.
0: Oh my God, she just like sends them off, and she's like, "Run, my animal friends!" Yeah, but she says, to them, "Woof, woof, woof, woof! <laughs> bark, bark, bark! Go bark, it. bark, bark,
1: bark!" <laughs> Fuck! Oh. Uh, welcome to our Patreon episode, everyone. You paid for this episode, episode fourteen. We've been doing this for over a year
0: now, and you guys are still here. We love you so much. Oh. Why are you here? we don't know but <laughs> I, don't know. I think they're here to hear about lady went oh that's a good one you didn't think about that one i didn't think about that one i, got I really you.
1: didn't i know so tell me you know you're the one who knows about lady went so like where yeah. could she have went gone mm-hmm. gone is actually the proper english but i really wanted to make this work for me
0: uh, from <laughs> whence she came yes well it's interesting, there's like a passage where Tywin talks about how they've spooked her out of her castle, as we know, because they take her castle from her. Uh, and she couldn't hold it. She had left before they could, you know, get her. And she set off and disappeared. Later, Littlefinger has a throwaway line where he says that she's dead, likely. Wow, but she's dead. But we don't hear that. We uh we don't hear that same thing, but there is a passage in a Brienne chapter in a Feast for Crows if you want to read it for me. A young septon galloped, passed upon a palfrey as fine as
1: any lords, and later she met a band of silent sisters who shook their heads when Brienne put her question to them. A train of ox carts lumbered south with grain and sacks of wool, and later she passed a swineherd driving pigs and an old woman in a horse litter with an escort of mounted guards. She asked all of them if they had seen a high-born girl of three and ten years with blue eyes and auburn hair. None had. She asked about the road ahead as well.
0: There's been a lot of theorizing that the woman in this passage with mounted guards, which isn't common to see on the road. You don't see an old woman traveling alone on the road with a bunch of mounted guards. Is Lady Shella went. And I love this theory so much. I think it's very interesting, especially when you think that it's coupled with Brienne asking if they'd seen a highborn girl of three and ten years with blue eyes and auburn hair. Yeah. AKA Sansa Start, whose mother was A. yeah, And her mother was Nay Went.
1: Minisa Went.
0: Yes, absolutely. I
1: remember her. Yes. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> but Don't. yeah, I, I think that's an interesting idea and in connection. And I mean,. So much of these Riverlands chapters are just
0: misconnections, right? Yes. And the last time we really heard about her, besides those two throwaways from Tywin and from uh, Littlefinger, we also hear, of course, Catalan in the Inn at the Crossroads asking uh, the house went people, you know, does Lady Shella still consider herself a loyal and true friend of my father's? So like, there's yeah. definitely a connection there, especially I, I've talked a lot about how Sansa will likely give a very inspiring speech to Ryle the Vale, to her cause, uh, very much so reminiscent of Catelyn in the inn, asking if people will give their loyalty to her and her father still. And I don't want to take it this tinfoil. You can't be mad at me for bringing it here because I feel like it's a perfect place for it. I mean, this welcome to our patron episode. This is the good shit. I'm doing this for you guys. Uh, Something's up with the kettleblacks.
1: I'm doing this for
0: you guys. (laughs) It's not for me at all. This isn't for me,
1: Eliana. This is for the people. Chloe's the most generous person. (laughs) She's
0: always giving. So something's up with the kettleblacks. The way they're introduced is weird. Sansa seems to think they've come out of nowhere. And... The Jamie chapters are actually really telling about them, especially when they're bullshitting with him and really fucking with him. They talk about how they were knighted by someone who is a Vale bastard. Jamie asks who knighted them. Sir Robert Stone. He's dead now, my lord. To be
1: sure, Sir Robert Stone might have been some bastard from the Vale, he supposed selling his sword in the disputed lands. On the other hand, he might be no more than a name Sir Osmond cobbled together from a dead king and a castle wall. What was Cersei thinking when she gave this one a white cloak?
0: A dead king, a castle wall, Sir Robert Stone. All of these are really interesting things. Uh, Just putting them out there. And not only that, but the way that the Kettleblacks regard Jaime and how they speak to him Jamie even thinks they act like brothers of old arms, like they'd been battling at war forever. There's another line where George really highlights the phrase, no names. Fifty yards downriver, a man sat in a small skiff, half hidden by the remains of a great galley that had gone aground there and burned. Dantos limped up to him, puffing. Oswell.
1: No names, the man said, in the boat. He sat hunched over his oars, an old man, tall and gangling, with long white hair and a great hooked nose, with eyes shaded by a cow.
0: Hmm, that's from Sons of Five, and that's from A Storm of Swords. So, the next chapter, I'm just letting these speak for themselves, honestly, but the next chapter... Uh, is Sansa 6, and there is a back and forth between Littlefinger and Sansa that I find very interesting. Oswald, come up here and let the Lady Sansa have a look at you. The old man appeared a few moments later, grinning and bowing. Sansa eyed him uncertainly. What am I supposed to see? Do you know him? asked Peter. No. Look closer. She studied the old man's lined, windburnt face, hook nose, white hair, and huge, knuckly hands. There was something familiar about him, yet Sansa had to shake her head. I don't. I never saw Oswald before I got into this boat, I'm certain. Hmm. Hmm. Look closer. I'm not telling you to, Georges, that's all.
1: I mean, obviously, it's the kettle black thing, but-
0: yeah, um, and obviously they're Kettleblacks. That's what's revealed right. is that Oswell is revealed as a Kettleblack. However, it's an interesting thought because yeah. if, if the Kettleblacks are wents, and that's not to say that all of them are great. I mean, we know, especially the people that have inhabited that castle. Hell, look at Larry Strong and Breakbones, Harwin. Uh, some of these people were real dicks that came from Hell. House. They're not all going to be perfect. They're not all like going to be on this beautiful northern conspiracy thing. but. What if the Wentz did go into hiding a long time ago, and boom.
1: Well, it'd be interesting, because Littlefinger, I guess, would have some connection with them, having the spent Riverlands. so much time, yeah.
0: And to have yeah. once more. And Littlefinger even gets his own Stannis moment in this, right? Like, they both don't get chosen by the place they thought was going to choose them. The North doesn't choose Stannis in the end, and Littlefinger doesn't get chosen by the Veil. Vale. The Vale and the North choose Starks. Yeah. And the Riverlands likely will do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to want to choose Littlefinger.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's smarmy. He sucks. <laughs> so, I could see where, if that was, Oswald went. That would be nuts if he survived the Tower of Joy. What if none of them actually did die? What if they're all hiding? What if Mance's Rhaegar? We don't know, but uh, the implications, if that is Oswald went, are just interesting. Uh, especially when you think of Sansa's went side, and The Wents being around the veil.
1: And if they're, you know, the sigil is the Bats, and maybe they don't come out right now, but they reveal themselves as Wents during the long night, as Bats
0: do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be the Went calling the kettle black? What? Nothing. I'll go. I'm leaving that. I'll just fire myself. Yeah.
1: So Chloe's put in her resignation letter. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about the phrase now.
0: Yeah, you just go off for a while,
1: thanks. And I'm going to say this line Uh, from my partner called Phrase the Roof. And also put in my resignation letter. (laughs) Who's going to run this podcast? Yeah, who's going to fire me if Chloe's not here? (sighs) Ugh, the people. The people. The market. <laughs> the supply and demand. Are we not
0: a democracy? No. Absolutely not. So, tell me about what phrases you think are important, especially in the winds of winter. None of them, but which ones?
1: <laughs> so, none of them, but yes, them. Uh, Walder Frey is clearly not forgotten. Well, that Walder Frey, right? Because there's like a bazillion. So, I'm going to point out a couple of phrases that I am... Going to call out in this discussion, none of them are Gatehouse Amy or Fat Walda because we can never forget them. Fucking icons that they are,
0: iconic. The the, they the iconicness tr- just like jumped out, dude. They truly are ahead of their okay. game.
1: Yeah, so we're not even going to talk about them. We can't.
0: Had I remember them always. In charge for sure. So
1: people that I think. Are from the Frey family that we don't talk about a lot, so I'm gonna just list them off at first. Black Walder and Edmund Frey, sons of Ryman. Bastard Walder Rivers, and also both Oliver and Perwin Frey.
0: I thought you were gonna say Oliver and
1: Company. It is his company. <laughs> so first I'm gonna talk a little bit about Black Walder and Edmund. As I said, they're both Ryman. Frey's sons, right? And they're very high up in the potential to inherit House Frey, which I think, you know, if there's anywhere where it's like to crown him is to kill him, it's House Frey. The closer you are to inheriting, the more you have a target on you from, I guess, your family members, maybe? I don't know.
0: If you can call them that, at that point, they're just like bred animals. Yeah. So many of them. So many. Close your legs, guys.
1: Truly. Well, specifically just one of them, I guess. Yeah, uh, the worst but one. Black Walder and Edmund are of course brothers. Edmund actually confides in Jamie, interestingly, that he thinks that Black Walder killed their father, Ryman. But it's out, from what you hear of the manner of Ryman's death, it sounds like the way Lady Stoneheart's been killing them, but uh mm-hmm. I don't know. Could be could be suspicious and like just made to look like that. Who knows? Edwin and Blackwalder, though, both suck, because, like, also Blackwalder wasn't there. He was, like, in Seaguard or something. And Edwin is described as very hateful, and I think is more likely, he's, he's higher up, I think, in terms of inheritance, and by that I mean older. But they're clearly an ambitious family, and they're making moves, alright?
0: Yeah, um, something interesting that, of course, jumped out in this is they're not the only two fray people sectioned off dealing with uh, the possibility of Someone killing someone off to get ahead, right? Mm-hmm. You think about the North for a second in our favorite wards.
1: Yeah, I'm now just ward. Yes. Yeah, I I think we're going to see that across all of House Frey, and I think Black Walder and Edwin are some of the ones to watch. It might not affect the larger story, but I think whatever happens within House Frey is going to obviously affect other characters, right? Because house Frey was a destabilizing force by doing the red wedding, and to an extent there's a very very fragile and slowly crumbling i think stability but not really stability like kind of like agreement of peace mm-hmm. built around them and their connections but as house Frey begins to fray yeah. i think that all of that's going to come apart
0: especially because everyone's kind of plotting against them <laughs> Yeah right. Well, and they're easy to plot against. Yeah, they suck. And like when you split their power up into eighty kids, you know the extension of power. Like when you have the Lannisters, you have three kids that so the power is kind of split up between. You get to see how they exercise it, right? When you look at the phrase, it's like you all have maybe one percent power.
1: Yeah, so it's like you gotta
0: what kill off your family and to get some of it. That's what yeah. You need either like ten phrase in one room or like kill them all off and have there be five left. Have power. And
1: I, I think that's what I find really interesting about this other character, Bastard Walder Rivers, who hmm. is a prominent bastard of, of course, Walder Frey. He's actually, interestingly, the one who sent Chet to the wall. But, you know, to describe Walder Rivers, he has like two children. He's described as Gruff and Dour, but he seems like really competent compared to a lot of his other, Siblings. Like, other characters see him as serious and, like, contemplative. He chooses silence if he doesn't think that words are necessary. And, like, the thing is, he's effective. He's good at wielding responsibility, better than a lot of his true born brothers, which I'm sure, like, pisses him the fuck off. But coming back to Davin Lannister, he actually describes Bastard Walder as, like, he hates that he's a bastard and hates everyone who's not.
0: Yes definitely interesting very Ramsey
1: oh yeah it's very Ramsey it's it's an interesting characterization in a series that is, has always right explored those issues of bastardy but as all of them are going to start coming out of the woodwork with all of these power vacuums and families like what what's the dynamic around that right because a lot of people outside of the Frey family are like actually Bastard Walder might be the most dangerous of all of them
0: he has nothing so, to lose
1: I mean, he has nothing to really lose. He has a lot that he wants to gain, as you said, kind of like Ramsey. And he actually played quite a big role during the Red Wedding, right? He just, like, fucking does... carries out plans and plans them. Mm -hmm. He led the attacks on the camps during the Red Wedding, and is very shrewd, like his father, but actually is good at fighting. So... I don't know, with all of these things about legitimacy and
0: bastardy and characterization, he's one to watch. Yeah, and it's interesting how he highlights against two other characters that are completely different types of men slash boys, which is Oliver and Perwin Frey.
1: Yeah, Oliver, bless him. Good boy. He's a good boy. He loved Rob. He was yeah. Rob Squire, if you'll all remember him, and and Frey, his brother. A lot of them are pretty good eggs, you know, mm-hmm. amongst the Freys. So I think there's like a lot we can say about them. Obviously, they had alliances with the Starks and within their hearts and strongly, and therefore weren't allowed to go to the Red Wedding. Right. But there's this whole plot about like the Rosby Ward.
0: Yeah, I-, I was thinking a lot about Rosby and the Crownlands which we are going to talk about Crowlands after this, but Rosby especially just seems to be such a problem area. So I hit up my friend, Jones Tony,
1: uh, from Reddit, Jones Tony 710 He helped me explain, you know, some of the issues that are going on here around House Rosby, which is significant and referenced in the Adawada epilogue. And basically, like, Giles Rosby, as you all remember, seriously hated him because he coughed all the fucking time. <laughs> is dead. And so. Does he coughs all the time? Yeah, probably. I mean, that probably meant something. Uh, the black yeah. lung. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, so, like, there's a war incoming, and House Rosby doesn't currently have, like,. One claimant. I think they say in the epilogue there's like six claimants. But there's someone who's considered like the Rosby ward. Giles had a ward, and that ward has taken over the castle. And I mean, eventually, like, that's the thing, right? As you said, it's an important house in the Crownlands, they're a rich house. And so whoever becomes the new lord is going to be really strategic. And we don't know who the six claimants are. It doesn't actually matter, though. Like, there are a couple of phrases that people theorize might be the Rosby heirs. Rosby and mm. Tom Harris, whom we talked about earlier, says, like, Perwin and Oliver are some suggestions. And it could be interesting, right, If in helping distribute that power if one of them has, like, this house and is fucking gunning for House Frey, right? And, you know, House Rosby, again, very rich. And it's going to be instrumental during the war to come. Uh, some people think that they're going to end up
0: siding with, like, Fagon when he comes over. But... Which is what happened in the Dance of the Dragons when right. the Crownlands supported Venera until they didn't.
1: Right, so we could see them,
0: like, yeah, switching.
1: I don't know if it's from the Lannisters to that but I mean like would they support the Lannisters seeing what happened but I guess
0: they don't really know I do feel like the Crownlands are very background so they'll situate this softly and then let it be and we probably won't hear much about it
1: Yeah, it's a plot that will probably come to play later on
0: yeah, it, it may not be important now, and maybe it doesn't get settled until after the long night.
1: Yeah, I, it's just interesting that it comes through right in in that epilogue in that moment,
0: especially because Something Common was up. originally going to be sent there by Tyrion.
1: That's true. So House Rosby, interesting things going on there. Yeah, I wonder if like, small, like I wonder if George like just was like. Gonna keep Giles Rosby and do something with that Tom and Plot. And it was like, actually, I hate
0: Giles. Killed him <laughs> off. And was like, let's let's spice things up. He had to have been annoying, you know, to write just coughing all the time,
1: coughing all the time. That was like his one trait, and he didn't feel like actually flushing him out to put tension yeah. between him and Cersei and try and build that up instead of just starting over with some other character.
0: Right. Well, there's a lot of characters in the Crownlands. The Crownlands, I think, is like one of the most neglected areas to look at, uh, just because we're in King's Landing, so no one thinks about the rest of it. Like Roland Storm, for example, the bastard of Night Song, he was last seen holding Dragonstone until it fell to Loris or did it. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. I think he might hand that shit over to Aegon. Uh if you check out, we talked earlier about the Ascending Extras pieces by our friend Doctor the Lunk on a Song of Ice and Fire Reddit. And there's a really good one about Roland Storm. and Basically, he says, keep an eye out for him. If there is a big Grand Tyrell conspiracy, there's a chance he's a big part of it. That He keeps rising in importance. Uh, he started as a bastard half-brother of a mid-tier lord, and now he's the Aslan of Dragonstone. So what happened? Did him and Loras Tyrell high-five and say, yeah, let's go to Aegon, screw this King's Landing crap? Like, what's, what's going on? I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened right
1: like it's such in proximity to like all of the John Connington stuff and Mm -hmm. it it would parallel a lot of what we saw in a lot of previous wars where like the
0: young men are like wow I like that young man I really he was a Stannis supporter but it's like what do you do Stannis is north and likely never coming back that's probably how he feels
1: It's not just that, like, yes, Stannis is north and likely not coming back. I think he has more to do in his plot, of course, than what happens Mm -hmm. in the show, but he's obviously, like, gonna croak at some point, and, like, the storyline will move on.
0: Yeah. I don't know. We'll see when Stannis is the king of all Westeros. A lot of people are still holding on to that, like, thousandth and last Lord Commander theory. Or 999. But he's gonna die. White Walkers too. So... Let's move to the south. (laughs) Let's get ourselves out of this. Ah, Let's slide on to the south because I feel like that we need some old town representation. Like Mm. Leighton and Melora, Hightower. Mm. I think those were good calls. I mean, obviously people
1: bring them up every now and then, but I don't often think about or remember Melora, Hightower.
0: And there's not a lot to remember. They're both like total recluses. They haven't yeah. come out of their tower in over a decade, which is truly inspirational. <laughs> the big mood. And it's not just her. Like, Leighton is a total weirdo, too. And yeah. Willis sends him a warning that Euron has taken the shields and to prepare their defenses. But, like, we all know Willis is using quotation marks around defenses. And he's like, get your magic, bitch. And uh, he, he's been staying in the tower with his eldest daughter, Melora. Reading magical texts while letting his sons run the day-to-day household things. There's this line, might be he'll raise an army from the deeps or not.
1: Yeah, I think... Wizard th- battle! There's, I think the wizard battle is an interesting idea. I think that the high towers have to play a role in the upcoming stories in general. They've been yeah. so fleshed out in the previous stories in a way that is... Very interesting that I can't imagine that they're not going to come back and make more plays for power, especially in the reach. If I mean, they, first, obviously, they, they have to fend
0: off the Ironborn. Yes, yeah, I, that's what interests me. In that, in this, this high tower daughter daughter duo is different from the Alicent and Otto duo.
1: That yeah. was, you
0: know, ambition or the Mason Marjorie, for example. Yeah, the ambition, ambition push. But here it's. They're in a tower trying to figure out enough magic to, you know, deal with Euron.
1: Yeah, and then what? They're, they might have a plague. Yeah. And a fire. We don't know. I I just think that Old Town has almost burned so many times that it has to burn. And also, we've
0: been threatened with the fucking Grey Plague
1: there before.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you obviously, through the Forsaken, already are seeing, like, what's going to happen there.
1: Yeah. Destruction.
0: I mean- just total... Along with
1: the the Forsaken, I think House Redwine is something, like, they're yeah. not super forgotten, but I don't think they're discussed enough, right? And how they're kind of bound to hold off the Ironborn, like... As much as they can. Yeah, there's that, like, their sons are fucking kind of still hostages in King's Landing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, that's the thing about the Reach, so I want to talk about another character in the Reach, because all of these Reach connections, well, they're not that big of a Reach. uh, I'm sorry. I'm proud of you. So sorry. You're hired. Uh,
1: (laughs) You're hired! I'm hired. hired. Oh my god. Take back that resignation letter. (laughs) You're not allowed to quit. You ripping it up. Um, Is this this your paper shield?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me trying to quit the podcast, you. Me, Cersei. Uh, Just rip rip. So... Sir Parman Crane is another one of these Reach characters that's super connected. Uh, Just listen to this one for a second. He was one of the guards of Renly's tent, the Rainbow Guard, before he got killed. And he disappeared before Renly got killed. And Parman disappeared a little bit before. Oh. Yeah. And Spicky. now he's reported to be imprisoned at Highgarden. He <sighs> oh, was fuck. captured by Loras. The Cranes and the Florence are super married in together. So I'm wondering if... They're going to betray for Aegon as well because of the Tarleys being super married into the Florents and the Tarleys. Uh, The Cranes are sworn to the Tyrells. Alistair Florent was married to Malara Crane, who's Sam's grandma and Celise's aunt-in-law, who's now a widow. Lady Crane. Yes, Lady Crane. And (laughs) Meredith Crane, Mary, is in Marjorie's party at King's Landing. We're not sure how she's related. And then there's a knight, Richard Crane, who's married to Rileen Florent, Alistair's sister. So... There's some pretty much some in marriage in there and I think it's gonna lead to some Aegon.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think that's a really great actually forgotten character. Yeah, he's just chilling in
0: Highgarden, imprisoned.
1: Yeah, and he's gonna like come back. I think that's interesting. Yeah. The lore's connection too.
0: So you know, coming back to,
1: to Fagon Right now he's in the Stormlands, right? With John Connington. And there are, I think, a couple of characters over there that are worth discussing.
0: Yeah. A couple characters that kind of disappeared off the chessboard, like Andrew Eastermont and Edric Storm.
1: Yeah, Edric Storm, I think, is still discussed, but Andrew Eastermont, yeah. definitely.
0: He's the one who took him, and uh, interestingly enough, he's the one who took Edric Storm across the narrow sea or east uh, to go hide him, and it does remind me, and I think you were going to bring this up later, I want to tie this one into Tyrek Lannister, who's also pretty talked about heavily as far as missing people go, but he's still interesting to talk about. Uh, I think the Varys collecting people theory kind of rings in these, that he's possibly collecting lords for he's Aegon's collecting reign. collecting
1: Eastermont I mean, yeah, I think that would make sense. Like, the Eastermonds, I can't decide if like they're going to play a bigger role or not, or if they're just in there because George wanted a house to have turtles
0: to, like, foist. A wait, 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 wait. Would you say this is an Easter egg hunt?
1: Yeah, I mean, he absolutely. Oh, yes. No, I'm putting it all together. Yes, it's an Easter egg hunt. But also, along with it being an Easter egg hunt, George is putting his Easter egg. Eds- yes, that. Uh, and by that, I mean turtle eggs, turtles
0: lay eggs. Mm. Yes, yes, that was good that you got there. I don't uh,
1: think that was the best thing that I've done, but everyone, you're here. Thank you for being our patrons.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> so, yeah, the Eastermonts just, like, disappear off page after Edric goes with them.
1: Well, just Andrew Eastermont, because they come back, right, with Arianne's plot. Just a smidge. Right. So, Eastermonts are definitely going to be tied into again. Oh, for sure. Now it's not just an Easter egg, it's an Easter egg. We did it. <sighs> we we did it. <laughs> just like I'm writing a new letter. Um, anyway, yeah, I think it just makes sense. There's a an aspect though. If we're gonna talk about Edric Storm, you know, he's probably like in the fucking free cities. Mm-hmm. Like, what is he gonna show the fuck back up? Like
0: Viserys the first. Oh yeah, it's very Viserys the first in a way. Okay, right. I do and like it, that. It c-
1: it kind of makes me think that, I mean, everyone obviously has, like, discussed this before, because Edric Storm's not actually forgotten, you know, that he could be the one to inherit House Baratheon. But if he comes back, like, Viserys First, that, that feels more like a future Lord Baratheon than Gendry, who, anyway, in the show was, like, an amalgamation of Book Gendry and Edric.
0: Yeah, I do think that Gendry will likely be legitimizes Robert's heir for Storm's End. I think that might happen in the end. I don't foresee Edric maybe making it. I don't know what'll happen there. He might die. But I do think Gendry has a bigger role to play in the long game of everything.
1: Okay, okay, sure.
0: I don't know if it'll happen like it did in the hit TV series that originated HBO's. these books. HBO's yeah. Game of Thrones. I don't know if it'll be exact, but...
1: Emmy award-winning drama.
0: I can see it for happening... I could see it. Uh, I could see Daenerys legitimizing him for favor or even Bran. Mm. In the end, you know, Bran saying your father and my father were great friends. I need a strong leader to lead the Stormlands. I don't know. I can still see it. I think it's too early to tell on that count, yeah. especially for that kind of endgame, but I-, I do see Gendry as a viable player, but another person that has a really good claim on the Westerlands, and is kind of one of those fallen off the map players. Is Tyrek Lannister? Get Tyrek. <laughs> he disappeared during the bread riot in King's Landing, and
1: after that, it was like, where's Tyrek? People such as our good friend Brendan Beefish from the Not a Cast podcast <laughs> have theorized that Varys has actually like. Kept Tyrek this whole time after the riot because he's gonna bring him out to serve as proof of like Lannister incest somehow versus like the true
0: Baratheon heirs. And that works with that whole various collecting people theory. You know, he's a lord of the Westerlands, so maybe he's keeping him for that. I do like there's that theory. I don't know if you've read this one that the guy at the House of the Undying that comes through that was a handsome boy with curly hair was him.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Oh. Yeah. Rip. Rip. (laughs) Interesting, though. Interesting. Interesting. So, I think I want to talk about one more before we close it up for the night. And I'm excited about this one, especially with some of the fire and blood stuff that we got to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, Of course, we're talking about Orane Waters and his pirate fleet.
1: Yeah, he's, I think, on the Birge. he's like a borderline yeah. forgotten character
0: and he is talked about um in some of the dance of dragon stuff so i mean okay i'll concede that however i won't go down without a fight um i don't care i mean it's our podcast he's subtly mentioned right yeah you all have to listen to me anyway so yeah. he's subtly mentioned he has some major daemon targaryen vibes especially yep. that line in the dance with dragons a new pirate king has set up on torturers deep in the step zones styling himself the Lord of the Waters. He commands three deck warships. Okay, obviously, Orin Waters. He literally pieces out from Cersei. And he's like, bye, see ya. <laughs> Thanks for the help.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's her Gerald Dayton.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Big mistake, Cersei. Don't trust pretty boys. No, pretty boys are the worst. And He's a bastard half-brother of the dead lord, the last lord of House Valerian, Monford. Now Monford's son, Monteris, is ruling, and he's age Monteris. six. Yeah, so maybe... maybe should about is, I know, right? He's, he's forgotten. forgotten. He's on, like, one page. He's a baby. I do know that boy. Maybe Aurain is gonna try to do some ambitious things, right? Like, maybe join Fake Aegon and get legitimized to take Driftmark in his name. Um, right now, it's just a boy lord, and yeah. Also, the Golden Company is positioned across the step zones because when they landed, uh, they left lease and they were scattered by a storm. So some of them are in the Stormlands, but a bunch of them are in the step stones. So they're bound to come across Orain. It, it's basically positioned for him to join up. I just like how for half of these, we're just like, yeah, they're going to join up with Fagon. I Literally, all of them yeah. are. And I think that's important. I think it's important yeah. that a lot of these people are joining him because- you need Aegon to be legitimate, right? For any of Danny's turn or in the perceived story as, to matter, perceived as legitimate. Yeah, yeah. You, you need, need people to flock to, say, to his cause. Yeah, he's the one yeah, to save sure. us from this awful regime.
1: I think the Golden Company thing is like a good is a good catch. I, I think so. On the other side of the Fagon thing, orin waters, like, Cersei looks at him, right? And she, at first, thinks he kind of reminds her of Rhaegar. Then she's like, no, not really. So, right? And yeah. I wonder if through that, that's tipping us off that, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. I, I think it's <laughs> hilarious any time that Cersei in the books is right about something. I'm just like, you did it.
0: Yeah, she's, for you. it's not often, but when it happens, it's I know, explosive. I'm like, wow,
1: you fucking did it. And I think she's going to be the one maybe to be like, I don't know if that boy's real with Fagon because of like her experiences with Orion Waters and be like, I don't know, there's tons of fucking blonde, pretty people.
0: Yeah, it doesn't mean they're fucking princes and kings and shit.
1: Yeah. Shit. Like my sons. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the The irony god i mean she's
1: projecting onto a bunch of people she's like are Marjorie and laura sleeping together because she's like i've faked a king before anyone can do it don't all queens fuck
0: their brothers yeah doesn't everyone just you met the Targaryens. children yeah <laughs> yeah it's a little misguided but she is right in this and she's right i think she might be right a lot before she dies honestly <laughs>
1: I think that'd be really exciting.
0: It'd be really funny. I like, know.
1: It's great.
0: Naturally.
1: <sighs> She's so dramatic.
0: She's well, so weird. God, we covered a lot.
1: I feel like I remember a lot now thanks to this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll have to do it again. That was actually a really good idea. Uh, there's a lot of little plots that I just didn't think about.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there will be other characters now that I'll be thinking of. I'll be like, I remember them too. Especially as we like do our reread and kind of just start occurring them to do this every now and then, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, yo, the next uh, character POV that we go into, I feel like we're really gonna remember a lot Ooh, of people. You're
1: right, definitely, especially once more in the Riverlands.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Once around the Riverlands. Da, nope. Da, da, da. Does that
0: I make don't the, know the lyrics? Does that make the Godswood at in Blackwood at Raven Tree? Does that make that Godswood? Uh, the, the Willow? Weeping Willow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe.
0: <laughs> Could be. Oh, wow. Well, this has been a time of it. I love this. Next month, I think we have decided we are taking a little break from a Song of Ice and Fire Patreon episode. So Gasp. if you're in it just for the ASWAF, we apologize. We will be back probably with another ASWAF themed episode month after next. But for Halloween, we are taking some time to talk about His Dark Materials. We are going to uh, release some more info about that soon.
1: Yes, we are. And I, I'm pretty excited about that. I think that one will be fun.
0: Yes, a fun episode is what we are always into, just like this one. This was a blast. <laughs> this was fun. Uh, it makes me think of all these little characters, and now I want to go read the books over and over and over again to find new tiny ass characters. Don't we really do that? Isn't that what all of us
1: do all of the time? Yes. <laughs> I like tell my therapist, I'm like, yeah, I'm starting these new books, but I also I agreed to do a reread of this other series. I'm like, maybe I should stop <laughs> starting new books and restarting old ones?
0: We can't help who we are. Yeah. Well, guys, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back at it soon. You'll hear from us with John 2 in A Dance with Dragons. We're going to be joined by Hannah from Game of Owns. That'll be really great. I'm very excited about having our good friend yes. Hannah on.
1: Yes, we've been looking to have Hannah on for a while, and yeah, she's one of our really good friends, and she's always got, like, a lot of interesting insights, so. Yeah, and John,
0: too, is a doozy, so.
1: Yeah, and they've, I mean. They all are. And they finished their reread, so truly, once more, heroes. Legends. Truly. <laughs> Alright, well, thanks everyone for tuning in to our Patreon episode. I'm Eliana.
0: And I am Chloe.
1: You know where to find us. Goodbye.